Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Ushers, if you'll help me this morning, I'm asking that every person make sure that you get a copy of this morning's notes um, as we will use these. It'll help you be able to follow along and just raise your hand if you did not receive a copy and uh, take those notes out and get ready. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to push uh, the envelope there, holding little Ari. I wanted to tell you a story, and I didn't want her to start crying on me. Um, but uh, uh, as a pastor and dealing with people, you you read body language and you listen closely to, to tone of voice. Well, uh, Daniel. Uh, he texted me, and so I couldn't see body language, and I couldn't hear tone of voice. He says, could Lauren and I see you? It was either before or after a Wednesday night service. And as a pastor, those are always sinking feelings when you do that. All right, are they upset about something? What did we do wrong? Oh, no, they're both involved in Awana. They're going to resign from working in Awana. And so my mind went to, that's where my mind went, oh no, this is not a good meeting. Can we, I mean, there's nothing flowery about it. Uh, Can Lauren and I see you after the service? And so it's really unfair because I have to go through the service and preach. And in the back of my mind, it's there. I got a meeting, I got a meeting. Someone has to talk to me and I don't know where this is going to go. As soon as they came to my office, I, oh, it's not about Awana, because they both had a twinkle in their eye when they were coming to tell me that little Arya was on the way. So they, their, their face gave it away. Their body posture gave it away. We often communicate by body language. And, uh, and so I am so thankful the Lord has given them uh, this second daughter, and she is so, so sweet. I'd like to preach a message today that I think that every one of us, we need. Um, I, I, it's a message that every one of us we deal with, and that's emotions, anger. Uh, have you ever had a family time, especially if you're older and now that your children are grown? Let's see if you, if, if you can relate to this kind of thought. The family's together. You're all seated in the living room or maybe around the kitchen table, and, and the meal's over, and, 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 and someone says, Do you remember when... And it's going to go back into something of the childhood, sort of like this. Do you remember when dad got so mad that, and we've had a couple of situations like that in our family over the years, um, not that I'm necessarily proud of them, but if I'm going to be the pastor and I'm going to preach the word of God, I'm going to be transparent with you. There was one time that I was so mad that as, as we said in Western, you could spit nails. I have no idea what that means. But that, I heard that growing up. I was so mad I could spit in hills. Um, 
Here's what happened. I was in Washington, D.C., and, um, and our House of Representatives, uh, uh, he and I had arranged to have a, a lunch together, and so uh, Representative Barrett and I, uh, we, we had developed a friendship as I was pastoring in South Carolina, and uh, he, his family owned a great big furniture store there, and, and so we, we were beyond legislative issues. We were friends, and, uh, and we enjoyed talking with each other, and I knew his wife and, and his children, and so I'd been up uh, to, to where he lived. Uh, so there was a relationship there. And so uh, nothing to do with business. I just said, hey, I'm in Washington, D.C. Can I take you to lunch? And he said, sure. And so we had a great lunch. We talked about all kinds of different things. And then um, it came time to pay the bill. So I, I gave him my, uh, my credit card to pay the bill. And one of the most embarrassing things happened. Um, the server comes back and she says, sir, your credit card has been declined. I was so embarrassed. I could have crawled under the table. I said, that's absolutely not possible. I, I mean, I'm never late. I pay my credit card every single month. That is not possible. I'm sorry, sir. We ran it twice. It was declined. Okay. I'm with a U.S. House of Representative sitting across the table from him and my credit card had declined. The adrenaline level that began to build within my body, I cannot explain to you the emotion that began to happen. Gresham, we were on first name basis. Gresham says, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take it. It's probably something wrong with the machine. He was so gracious and he paid for our lunch. I stewed, I, I got on a plane later that night to fly back to South Carolina, and I was stewing, I was so angry. Now, you have to understand that this is more, I mean, I've been here 12 years, and so this happened uh, uh, more than 20 years ago. So uh, uh, this is the different time period when credit cards were, were uh, they didn't, you know, today you swipe it, it's very rare to have a credit card decline, they worry about it later. Uh, so I get home, I go to the bedroom, and I call the credit card company. By this time, I am so worked up. I am so angry. I am so mad. I never use profanity. I, my, entire, my children and my wife has never, ever heard me say a profane word in our entire marriage. I never used profanity, but that day I came close. But I didn't. I was so, so angry. And I talked, I said, well, and I, I went on the whole, I shared the whole story. My tone of voice was angry and, 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 and whatever they were saying. I said, well, let me talk to your manager. And I talked to that manager, well, let me talk to your supervisor. And I kept trying to go up and finally I was so mad, so worked up, they hung up on me. Well, that didn't calm me down. How dare you? You don't hang up on me. I called him back. By then, they had already put notes in the computer. And whoever answered the second said, Mr. Armstrong, we, we can't talk to you right now until you calm down. I was so angry. Now, here, here's why I tell you that story. My children were listening outside the bedroom door. And they didn't hear Dad say anything that was bad, but they sure heard dad's tone of voice and they heard how I dealt with this and I want to tell you that I was a hundred percent wrong in how I dealt with this in every manner but our children there's been times we've got together and our children say do you remember when dad was so mad that he that's not a memory I want to, our children to remember oftentimes when we get angry and we do it the wrong way everybody remembers and they don't forget our tone of voice 
they don't forget what we said. To illustrate that, you, if you've been through our starting membership class, you've heard our testimony and how that my dad owned a bar, all the alcohol I came, that was in our family, and uh, what my mom and dad were saved from, and that sinful lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. Uh, um, and once my dad got saved, man, my dad changed. My dad was a new creature in Christ. There was no doubt about it. In fact, after my dad got saved, there's only one time I ever heard my dad get so mad that he actually used a curse word. He was embarrassed, uh, but he got got so worked up and he was so mad at one of his three children. Why well, I did not say which one it was. But he was so mad at his son. He was so angry and so worked up that he he used a curse word at his son. I still remember it. It's etched into my brain. But you know what? Growing up, I mean, there were fun things that we did as a family. And there was, my dad taught me how to hunt. There was many, many things there. But I have never forgotten exactly where I was and what dad was mad about. And when he said what he said to me, I've never forgotten. It's been etched in my brain. Just like in my own children's brain when I was so mad at a credit card that was declined. That should have never been declined. Um, but it was, it, but the end of it was that I, I never used that credit card in Washington, D.C., and it was an automatic decline because it was outside of South Carolina where I normally used it. So, but I was, my children still remember it. We all get angry. And sometimes we have a tone of voice or body language or we say words that those people around us never forget. And it's one of those things that we wrestle with. And so today we're going to look at anger management in our home. And, and actually this applies to any relationship. And that is, how do I handle anger uh, against anybody? Or better stated, I've entitled this morning's message, let's, go, let's all get angry the right way. Let's all get angry the right way. And I thought maybe it'd be a, a appropriate to share a couple of inter interesting things that I, I, I've read um, about headlines. And this is the headline. Let's all get angry the right way. Headlines make a difference. I, I read uh, uh, there, were two small, there are two small towns in Illinois. Uh, one is called Normal Illinois and the other is called Oblong Illinois. If you're from Illinois, you may even be familiar with these two towns. Uh, but there was a, a headline in the newspaper that says this, Normal man marries oblong woman. <laughs> Headlines. Uh, they, make, they make a difference. Uh, uh, many of you, how many of you older people remember that in the newspaper, which most of us don't even get now, there used to be a Dear Abby column. How many of you remember Dear Abby? Many times people look first in the newspaper to see the obituary, and then they would go to Dear Abby to see what she had to say. This is from one of her columns. Um, uh, Dear Abby, I'm 44 years old, and I would like to meet a man my age with no bad habits. Signed, Rose. Abby wrote back, Dear Rose, so would I. Uh, headlines. Um, I want you to go with me to our text this morning. It's found in Proverbs chapter number 11. We'll get to that verse in just a moment. Uh, we've preached for several months now on living outside the box. I want to surprise you this morning by saying that you can be outside the box and be a person who is angry. Justifiably, something has happened that causes you to be angry. 
And I want to be a help to you so that in your relationships they can be successful when anger becomes a part of that relationship. In any relationship that you have, here's the, here's the truth. Conflict is inevitable. There's going to be conflict in relationships because we're human beings and human beings disagree. But may I say this, conflict in your home is inevitable, but combat is not. You don't have to fight. You must learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. You've got to learn how to argue without assassinating. And in every relationship, when you, use a, uh, when you come to that place and you have a conflict and you don't know what to use or what to say, may I just say, uh, either you're going to have a breakdown or you're going to have a breakthrough. The re- relationship that we're talking about today in your home or perhaps here in church or with one of your children, it'll either be destroyed or damaged because of the conflict and th- there's going to be a breakdown in communication or there's going to be a breakthrough to a new level of maturity and intimacy and fellowship. The key to all of what I'm going to talk about today is this. How do I handle anger? Getting mad, getting upset. The Bible teaches us this. That mishandled anger can cause enormous damage in relationships. How many of you can identify with that statement? Something in your life, there's been some mishandled anger and it has damaged a relationship. Well, that brings me to a very key text verse this morning found in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 29. The Bible says this. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. Father in heaven, I ask that you'll come and meet with us. Father, I know that this morning's message can be a help to all of us who are seated here, those who are watching by live stream, because all of us deal with emotions in relationships. Father, I pray that we'll just be able to swallow our pride enough to admit Maybe I could do some things better. Father, I know I haven't always been the exact example of this in my own life with my own family. And as I've asked you to forgive me, I also ask me to be a good example as a pastor who follows your word here this morning. Help all of us to be willing to do business with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Many marriages, many relationships have been destroyed Because of anger and hostile conflicts within the home. And when it comes to dealing with our conflicts, everybody in this auditorium this morning falls into one of two camps. You either tend to be a passive person or you tend to be an aggressive person. And when it comes to anger and conflict, you either resist um, or you have a tendency to run. You're a resistor or you're a runner. You have a tendency to either fight or you have a tendency to flee when there's conflict. In most relationships, one person tends toward being violent and violent in our words, violent in our attitude, while the other person tends to be silent. I'd like to say that God puts couples together uh, just like he puts skunks and turtles together. Some of you this morning, if I can help you better understand my message, you're a skunk. With a skunk, you know exactly where they stand. They let you know. 
A week ago on Friday, along with uh, 45 other people, I had the opportunity to go through the Grand Canyon. It was an amazing experience. I was in the first flight or group that went out. And as I went, uh, went out, um, uh, uh, I was uh, headed down the trail. And uh, I, was, uh, I just happened to be in the front there leading the pack. And, and, and I was running. And so as I was running down the trail, uh, it didn't take long for me to, to notice there is a skunk in the area. I didn't see him at first, but I knew he was there. He had let everyone know he was there. And then I started looking because I didn't want to become part of his smell. And so the path I was going through down the pathway, I did see him, and he was on my right-hand side. I saw his fluffy tail, and as I saw the skunk, I did my very best to avoid him. You see, here's what happens. When someone gets upset, they don't mind stinking up the whole place with the words and attitude that they portray. And everyone's going to know how they feel. How many of you can identify with a skunk this morning? Then on the other hand, there are turtles. When a conflict comes, this person draws back into their shell. They withdraw. They become distant. They back out of the relationship. They shut down. I ask you this morning, is there an alternative? Yes, there is. You see that at every point in your life, you're always moving in one of three directions. You're always moving against people in anger. We want to avoid that. We want to help you with that this morning. You're moving away from people in fear. That's not a right response either. We want to help you with that. Or you're moving toward people in love. I want us to develop that as our motive in our relationships this morning. There are only three ways to move in life. The idea in anger control is not to eliminate anger because you cannot do that. But you learn how to express anger in appropriate ways. In ways that benefit you and benefit the other person. And so this morning, uh, we're going to talk about is a very, very important skill set from the Word of God that you need to develop. It's absolutely essential for a healthy marriage. It's absolutely essential for a dynamic parent-child relationship. It's certainly helpful in your business relationships. Learning how to deal and express how you feel. Learning how to hinder anger. Now, let me just be honest with you. Shelly and I, we are opposites in many areas of life, except for our commitment with the Lord. We are opposite ends of the pole when you look at the personality of both of us and things like that. I mean, when you look at Shelly, you think skunk, and when you look at me, you think turtle. I mean, it's so obvious this morning uh, how this works. Why are you, did I say that backwards? Oh, I did. Okay. I'm the skunk and she's the turtle. I'm telling you, when I get upset with, uh, about something, it doesn't take but a few seconds for her to go, the turtle's inside her shell. Um, and so we, through 33 years of marriage, we've had to work and navigate these uh, being uh, opposite personalities and how to deal with that. And I've noticed that just about the time that we get a handle on, on, on these relationships and, uh, between a husband and wife, uh, have you ever, parents, have you ever got to this point? Okay, we've got it all worked out. And then something happens in your life called teenagers. And you have to learn these lessons all over again. So here's what I want to do today. I'd like to give you a couple things 
to help us deal very specifically with this issue of anger. Before I do that, I'd like for all of you to look up here. As a pastor, um, there are so many different styles of preaching and teaching. Uh, as I hone and continue to work on my craft of speaking, there's been a metamorphosis that's taken place in my many years of speaking and thousands of times of speaking and thousands of hours. And, and one of the things I've learned is that you can't have a steady diet of the exact same thing. So here, if you're visiting with us, you're saying, well, he's preaching a topical message. Absolutely, I am. Uh, there's many times that we've preached through entire books of the Bible, and, and the list is long of how many books of the Bible we've preached through. Sometimes we have preached thematic and are, uh, preach on a theme. This morning, I'm preaching on a very specific topic on purpose to try to help us as a church family. I want us to understand that, that we need help in this area. We live in an angry world. And I don't want you to be influenced by the angry world. I want you to influence the angry world. And there's a big difference in that statement. Too often, we allow the angry world, whether that's at the restaurant or at the bank, or we allow the angry people of this life to influence us rather than us be the influencer. But that's the reason that we don't influence the world is because a lot of times we do not know how to deal with those emotions that well up in us. And so please allow me to be a help this week and next week to you. So this morning, we're going to look at two thoughts. And uh, I trust that you will please open your heart and allow the Lord to help you in these areas. What do I do when I get angry? I'm angry with my spouse, or I'm angry with one of my children. I'm angry with a co-worker. I've got these feelings of rage inside, and it happens like that. What do I do? Let me give you a couple thoughts this morning. Number one, when I am upset, Admit my anger. When I'm upset, admit my anger. I need to stop denying it. Stop pretending it's not there. Shelley says, why are you so angry? And you know what I say? I'm not angry. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I can tell that you're angry. I am not angry. I know that none of you ever do anything like that. You know, sometimes it's just appropriate to admit we're angry and what we're angry about. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 25 and 26. Wherefore, putting away lying, let every man speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry. What? The Bible says to be angry? Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It says, don't sin by nursing your grudges. There's a right way to get angry and there's a wrong way. There's an appropriate way and an inappropriate way. There's a constructive way to get angry, but there's also a destructive way to get angry. Let me say this statement. Anger is not a sin. What? What did he just say? That's heretical. Okay. I did a little research. Do you know that in the Old Testament, 375 times God was angry? Allow that to sit, settle in on your mind. 
375 times. Our Bible says that God was angry. He was upset about something. It's not a sin to get angry. In fact, if you never get angry in a relationship, it probably means you're not in touch with reality. I mean, there's something amiss. There are some things that you ought to get angry about. There's sometimes anger. It means this. I care about something. God was so passionate. He cared about the sin of the people. He cared about people destroying their lives. And he got angry, got worked up about that. So sometimes anger is an expression of love. And sometimes anger says, I'm not going to stand by and watch you waste your life. And when you have the idea that a Christian should never get angry, that is not only unreasonable, it's unbiblical because the Bible teaches us that God, the God of the universe, the God who created us, Jesus who walked on this earth, there were examples of their anger. It's not how you get angry. It's what you do with your anger that makes it a sin or not. God says, learn to get angry without sinning. He says, stop lying to each other. The Bible says that anger isn't necessarily a sin, but lying about it is. And when you're angry and you won't admit it, now you've just sinned. Because that's called lying. The starting point is to, I must admit that I am angry. It's impossible for me to work on the issue. It's impossible for me to work on the situation until I admit it. I read an interesting article two weeks ago where doctors say that as a result of COVID-19, they have discovered uh, that a cause of depression is anger. It was an interesting article. Depression is often frozen rage. It's angry feelings that's stuffed down, taking itself out on the body, inside, and, and, and working itself into a form of depression. Some of you may be depressed this morning. You should stop saying to yourself, why am I so depressed? And maybe you should say, what am I angry? What am I worked up about? Because maybe that's the real issue why there's some struggles in your life. What am I angry about? What is it that I don't want to admit? What am I swallowing in anger that's causing me to be depressed? The issue is not how to eliminate anger from your marriage, but how to express it appropriately to work in your marriage relationship. Number one, I've got to admit when I'm angry. The second thing I'd like to do is be a help with you is uh, number two here, is this, is that when I'm upset and I'm worked up, I must address my anger. It happens. You get angry. But you can't just let it lay there dormant. You've got to address the issue. I must address my anger. And now this is not an easy topic for me to talk about because anger and expressing in appropriate ways, it's been something that I've had problem with my whole life. I I learned it from my parents, especially my mother. I, I, I learned the, how, how to be angry. I'm a skunk. I admit it. But lest some of you think you don't have that kind of problem, there are different kinds of ways of expressing anger, uh, just uh, whether it's a skunk or, or whether it's being a turtle. But some of you, you may more closely identify with a porcupine. The porcupine is the person who will throw darts at you, sarcastic little quills that pierce. And when you draw back, they'll say, just kidding. I didn't really mean it. Uh, They're slippery and really hard to pin down because they don't like to admit uh, what they're doing is being 
angry. Then there's those people you say, well, I, I'm not a skunk, and I definitely am not a turtle. A, a porcupine? I'm not a porcupine, so you're a possum. Some of you are like a possum. You know what a possum is? They have a martyr complex. Every time something happens, they say, you're right. It's my fault. It's always my fault. It's me. Then there are those people who take their anger uh, and, and they will not admit it for anything. But what happens is it takes their toll on their bodies and their bodies have all different kinds of reactions to at least four or five different illnesses that doctors say are related to swallowing your anger. That's amazing to me that medically anger is hard on the body. So those of you who are skunks just realize there's a lot of ways of inappropriately expressing anger too. But the more I've grown as a Christian, not as a pastor, as a Christian, the more I understand what are the things that have made me angry or, or why I express things the way I do. And the more I understand that, then God has been able to help me get control in this weak area of my own life. And I continue at 55, 56 to continue to grow in this area. Would you listen to what Proverbs 19, verse 11 says? The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. What an amazing verse. I encourage you to read that this week. It's a joy if you can overlook a transgression and not get angry at it. Proverbs 14, verse 29 says, He that is slow to wrath or anger... Is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. I'd like to tell you that 20 some years ago, my children still remember dad getting so mad over a credit card because I was so hasty of spirit, not taking the time to understand why a silly, dumb credit card caused me to get so worked up that I lost my testimony as a Christian. The point of this is to begin to look at yourself and ask questions. Why am I so angry? Why, why does this situation upset me so much? When you begin to understand what it is that's going on in your heart, God will begin to work on you and you begin to resolve some things. May I just say, just like in your car, you have a warning light. Anger is a warning light that something is amiss in your life, that something has caused you to be upset. Well, anger is a warning light. Wait a second. Stop. Take heed. There is a problem. There's a situation Warning, warning. We get irritated over inconsequential things, but when we really get angry, that's a clue that I need to stop. I need to ask myself, why? What's so upsetting in this? Arguments rarely start with the real issue. Would you be, would you be honest and transparent enough to admit this morning that most of our arguments are over surface, really, really dumb things? How many of you would understand that? Most of our arguments. We must go beneath those surface issues to see what is really causing anger. And this leads me to three phases of an argument. We have found that these seem to be true uh, most of the time, and that anger uh, leads to conflict and arguing. Phase one is what I call recognition. Phase one is recognition. This is where the sharp words start getting exchanged. Somebody looks at somebody else wrong, or somebody just asks, that's it. We've got to stop and talk about this. There's a problem. 
There's a recognition between you and the other person that there's something that needs to be dealt with. Number two is reaction. Phase two is called reaction. This is where you start talking about it. And sometimes it gets a little loud, especially if you're a skunk. Sometimes this is where the discussion just goes on and on. And it can really get rough at this point. But phase three is what I refer to as resolution. Resolution. That's where you, in whatever that husband, wife, parent, child, work relationship, church relationship, this is where you continue to hang in there together. And do you decide what, what's made you both upset? And you're willing to change or start revolt, resolving that situation. The problem is this. Almost all people stop at phase two. They never get to the resolution stage. Men generally are like this. They just want to get to the bottom line. Here's the, the man's reaction in, a, in, in, in an argument or being angry. Just tell me what it is you want me to do and I'll do it. What is this argument about? Just tell me. Women generally like to get to the bottom line too. But they like to enjoy the scenery along the way. And there's all kinds of beautiful scenery in a conversation. Uh, sometimes the husband ends up saying, you want, you want to just keep talking so I'll get tired and I'll give up and, and, and say, okay, you win. You're right. And if you just talk long enough and loud enough, I'll agree with you. That's what the, the husband says. And the wife would have to admit that there have been a few times that she wanted this to happen. But generally, they want to know why it is that their husband has come to the conclusion that he's come to. And, and, and she wants to process this. Both husband and wife or both people in an argument or just being upset, they want to get to the bottom line, but oftentimes we're not willing to. This has to do with these verses about understanding patience and understanding each other. When you understand each other, it, it helps you to be more patient. When I understand that he really wants to get to the bottom line, then I can be more patient. Understanding is, is, that, is that key to having patience. And so as I finish this morning or head toward the finish line, what I would like to do is give you some root causes to try to teach us as a church family what happens in relationships and why we have these ongoing conflicts. I want you to discover five basic root causes for why we get upset with other people. Root cause number one, we get angry when we feel unaccepted. We get angry when we feel unaccepted. When someone in the family feels rejected for who or what we are, when we feel like we're being compared to other people, when people in our family maybe make fun of us or they criticize us, we get angry. And I hope you will never make the mistake of comparing your spouse to someone else. One of the worst things that you can ever say as a spouse is, I wish you were like, it'll destroy a relationship. That is so devastating to feel like your husband or wife is holding you up against someone else and asking why you can't be like that person. I hope you never make the mistake of comparing your children to somebody else's children. I wish you were like so-and-so's children. It's devastating to that child. To them, it's rejection. It makes them angry and feel unaccepted. Root cause number two, when we get angry, we feel 
unappreciated. We feel unappreciated. When other people in our family take us for granted, when they don't value our effort or notice uh, the work that we've done, when we feel like everything else is more important to them uh, than we are, uh, that person gets angry. In fact, many, many women, sorry men, I have to say this, feel angry because their husband has made them to be like the bottom of their attention. His work and his hobbies and his friends and his extracurricular activities and everything seems to come before the wife. There are many women probably sitting here today that are angry about that. They feel unappreciated. But there are also men and children who get angry about who they feel like their wives or their mothers give attention everywhere else. And when it comes to them, they have nothing left. And there's a lot of people today that feel unappreciated. The truth be told, in an auditorium this size with the hundreds and hundreds of people that are here this morning, there's a large percentage that can identify with this very root cause, unappreciated. But there's a third root cause. We often get angry when we feel unsupported. We get angry when we feel unsupported. When we feel like the people in our family are working against us uh, instead of with us. When they don't share their load of responsibility. As, and that makes us really angry. For the sake of time, I'll move quickly here. Root cause number four is oftentimes we get angry when we feel unprotected. When we feel unprotected. When the situations in our lives seem to be out of control, we feel like other people don't care about our needs. When we feel vulnerable, that makes us feel unprotected and we usually get angry. Root cause number five. We get angry when we feel uncertain. We get angry when we feel uncertain. If we don't feel like we can trust each other or we don't uh, know that the other uh, people in our family are telling us the truth, that makes us angry. Here's the bottom line for these five root causes. The root causes of most of the things we get angry about are either hurt, frustration, fear, and that's usually beneath the surface. And then anger bubbles up. If the wife tells her husband, you make me so mad, he's just going to get defensive. But the wife turns to him and states, that hurt me. I'm afraid when you talk like that. I'm frustrated with this situation in our relationship. Then they can begin to talk. As long as the wife is putting the husband on the defensive by telling him how mad he makes her, he's not under any real effort to try to get to the root cause. But when the wife expresses her feelings, may I just say, there's an opportunity to talk about it. I feel really, really certain that some of you just need to say to either your husband or your children, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of this situation. I'm afraid of your feelings. I'm afraid of the way you act. I'm scared. And what you've said, what you've done deep down has hurt me. It's never going to happen again. May I just say this morning, church family, you'll never reach those breakthroughs until one of you has the courage to actually begin talking about the deep inner things that are in your heart. Allow me to review. Anger is a real issue that's destroying homes today. Oh, there's a plethora of reasons why people get angry. The first thing I must do is I must admit my anger, and that leads me to the next thought. And as I admit my anger, I've got to address my anger. Next week, we'll do part two, so you can put your paper up, put it in your Bible, allow yourself to be able to completely hear my conclusion. I have used this illustration several years ago. So if you remember it, 
good. If you first time you've heard it, maybe it'll strike a chord in your heart. Shelly and I were in Houston, Texas. We were flying through Houston. I do not remember where we were flying to, but we were in Houston, Texas. We got off the airplane, went through um, uh, the, the tram there in Houston, Texas to get to our next gate. We were both hungry. It was breakfast time, and we stopped at a Chick-fil-A. Right there in the terminal, Chick-fil-A, somewhere around gate 70 to 80, and, uh, and we got in line at Chick-fil-A. I was irritated. I don't even know what I was irritated about. Just irritated. I finally got up there. I got the order wrong. And I said something sarcastic, rude, to the server behind the counter. We went, sat down, and I did what any Christian, what any pastor would do. I prayed over my food with my wife. Shelly looks at me and she says, do you feel better now? Was that, she was my temporary Holy Spirit. I, I, I became instantly defensive. Well, anybody relate to what I just said? Okay. I instantly became defensive, like, well, if they hadn't got the order wrong, if, they, if she hadn't acted that way, and, uh, and she, she looked at me, not, not even as you're a pastor of a church, which that's, after being married as many years as we have, that's what she was saying without saying it. Um, she, it was, you're a Christian. It's not her fault they got the order wrong. She just took your order. I ate my food, and I was contrary, and now, now I was really irritated. But then as I... I was eating, the Holy, the Holy Spirit began to work on me. You didn't do right. It was not that poor girl's fault that the order, got, that the order was wrong. And you had no right to take it out on her. I haven't always handled these situations this way. But this time I knew what I had to do. So I got up from the chair, I walked back, I waited my turn in line, and I got back up, and her eyes got great big when I got there, and she's like, oh no, what's he going to say to me now? I said, ma'am, her name tag was there, I called her by her name, I said, I owe you an apology. I said, the way I handled the situation a few minutes ago was wrong, I know better, and I embarrassed my Lord, because I'm a Christian, and I just want to come back and say, will you forgive me for the way I talked to you? She had no idea what to say. Her co-worker listened to everything I said, and they looked at each other, and she just nodded her head. And I came back and sat down. I'm not proud of that story. I was wrong. But I have learned through many years that I can destroy or I can build up. I can assassinate or I have the ability to have the right attitude. You have that same ability. I see this as a great problem. And really what's caused this is about three weeks ago, I saw a very angry situation that I'm going to use in my ultimate conclusion next week that took place right here in Tucson. That had nothing to do with a church member. I just observed the situation. And just the Lord just began to work on my heart to preach a message about anger. Now, I'm going to ask you, you need to come back for part two of this message. 
as we get into how to specifically deal with our anger, I want you to come back next week as we address this very specific topic, and we'll get into points uh, three and four, uh, and, and there'll be a, I promise it'll be a help to you. But here's what I'd like to ask you this coming week. Every time you feel that adrenaline begin to well up in you, and for some of us, like guys, it can happen like that. I mean, literally, we could be angry in a millisecond. I'd like for you to catch yourself and say, wait, I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm going to admit I'm angry. Why in the world did I get so angry so quick? I need to address this. And allow the Holy Spirit of God to begin doing a work. And over these next seven days, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit of God to do a work in your heart and life. Listen, how can we be a right example to the world if we're known to be angry people? How can we be the right examples to this world, to Tucson, to our own families, if we smell like a skunk? How can we be the right example if we always retreat like a turtle? How can we be the right example if we're always throwing barbs at other people, sarcastic little comments. How can we be the right person if we're like the possum? And we have the martyr complex. We never deal with any issues. Folks, we need to work on our relationships. And I'm asking you to come back next week and hear part two. But now the challenge is over the next seven days, I want to be a person that recognizes how easy I get angry and I don't even know it.